God, can we talk about Zelda? Yeah, sure. What's up, dude? <laughs> I really do want to talk about Zelda. I've been having a lot yeah, I guess you're going on. Yeah, let's talk about Zelda. Fuck. Everybody on the ship is playing Tears of the Kingdom, I believe. Yes. To pass the time. Uh, We resume our story in the clouds. The Uhuru flies high above the ocean beneath. It is a tense time since leaving the Saratura and the frozen wastes of the polar place that the Uhuru was exploring a lost prison. They're heading towards warmer places. However, to do this, the Uhuru must pass over water. It's something that everyone knew as soon as they were told where they were. This part of their journey feels like holding their breath. They are currently passing over a harmonic convergence, an area where the polar winds meet the winds of warmer places, where vapor gathers in the air and there is very little visibility. The only thing the Uhuru crew knows as they are forced to shovel what is the last remnants of their fuel and whatever they were able to scrape from the Saratora and put aside for their furnaces is that a few hundred feet beneath them exist hungry waters. Waters that wait for their ship to no longer be able to pull itself above the sea, that wish to envelop the Uhuru and everyone within it, to bring it into the Mariner's army of drowned sailors. Land is ahead, but with low visibility, there's no telling how far they are from it. And with few supplies for fuel, they must reach it soon. They look, of course, to the captain's council to guide them through this and many of the trials that they face ahead. I would like to know where Oromar Vale is at a time like this. Uh, Oromar Vale uh, usually is found in the captain's quarters often. Um, previously to make sure that he was kept out of the way of the rest of the crew unless it was deemed incredibly necessary uh, since uh, until very recently he was dead and keeping that a secret. Uh, strangely enough, that's no longer the case. Mm -hmm. um, as a result, he uh, explores the ship a lot more uh, while it's in flight and is currently out on deck uh, looking out towards the horizon is it still cold? We've moved away from our um, frozen lands, but so this is a difficult, like a, a, a there is a 
I think like a it's called a polar convergence, mm-hmm. uh, or it might actually be harmonic convergence uh, 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 in our world. But it, as you pass over waters uh, that separate, kind of like a polar ice cap from. Mm. Uh, the atmosphere of the rest of the world, uh, there is this like heavy layer of, how do I want to call it? Like uh, just extremely humid, vaporous air uh, Mm -hmm. that is like mixing warmer airs with extremely cold air. Um, So you really can't see anything. Um, Mm. Occasionally there are heavy storms. Uh, Drake's Passage uh, is a extremely famous uh, stretch of ocean that separates Antarctica from like uh, South America. And it is either glassy calm or torrential with storm Mm, and mm -hmm. again just thick fog that you could never ever hope to see through so temperature wise i think it is not as cold as it was around the saratura but this is a humid cold it's a cold that penetrates your jacket sinks into your bones Mm. and you know what we're going to work with that uh previously while we were in the uh the kind of tundra area near the Saratura, uh Captain Ormar Vale was uh enshrouded in a big uh woolly coat, big furs around the neck, very, very majestic, almost lion's mane-ish, uh going uh with his uh, very long dreads that reach down to the small of his back, uh enshrined with a various number of uh, gold trinkets, each one taken uh, from some kind of jewellery a red feather once owned. However, uh, it it's one of those circumstances where it's too windy yet too still, too warm yet too cold, too wet yet too dry. And he's shirtless underneath the big, like, woolly coat. And we, we get this uh, a view of him kind of emerging from the fog as the camera sees, with the wind kind of blowing uh, the, the coat behind him and whipping around the fur. And we see uh, a man, a black man in his mid-50s, uh, but looking we- strangely unusually good for somebody in their mid-50s who spent their entire lives being a Corsair, um, right down to the fact that his chest, not battle-scarred, not tattooed, immaculate. Yeah, yeah. I also, I truly don't know um, how, like, wrinkles form on skin, um, mm. but, like, I kind of think that you do maybe look like a younger, you definitely have a 50 year old body, but like mm-hmm. it's not as worn in. You know? No, absolutely this is fresh not. Fresh and new. Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, he kind of hates it. He had uh, spent a large period of his life, um, well, no, he had spent maybe the last, what, year and a bit from his perspective? Six, six to nine months to a year in his perspective, being dead and adjusting to that lifestyle and almost having an entirely new relationship with personhood and bodyhood. Um, and that's no longer the case. He is uh, a person, again, with a full range of uh, feelings and understandings and senses, and having to relearn that process again in very short order while still having to be a leader uh, weighs very heavy on his mind and soul. Yeah, Oromar Vale, a person who has been branded as a criminal from uh, the 
immoral and unscrupulous forces that control much of Sphere has been forced to spend so much of his life adapting to difficult circumstances and in less than a year has had to adapt to unimaginable circumstances multiple times and now shifting back and forth. It has to feel disorienting. It's Mm. the sort of thing that might undermine another person. Yet here he is on the deck, looking to find his place once again amongst his crew and in the heavy clouds that separate the polar world of the Saratura from the mainland of Sphere. Mm-hmm. It's just continuing to stare through the fog and not seeing anything. I think he left the, his captain's quarters specifically to kind of get out on the deck of the ship, um, just because it's an experience that he doesn't normally have and is greeted by an impenetrable sight and has been... Um, if there's anybody else on the deck, you've probably been watching him kind of holding on to the mast and staring, billowing very dramatically, looking into the horizon at nothing. And then he kind of murmurs to himself, yes, I, uh, I don't see anything. I feel a little silly now. I, uh, I think there are a lot of people on the deck right now. And mm-hmm. something that I would like to point out about the Uhuru crew, because we established it a couple sessions ago, and I think it's really neat. Uh, because they have just emerged from uh, the Queen's Forest, forest controlled by the Forest Queen, and time did not flow properly from their perspective. When they emerged from that forest, they're encountering something of the effects of a year of aging. Everybody's hair is growing quite rapidly. A year's worth of hair growth is happening over the course of a few days, which means all of the Uhuru crew has long hairstyles right now. Everybody gets the opportunity to experiment with long hair without having to go through the trouble of like really growing it. So I think there are a lot of beards. There are a lot of sideburns. There Mm. are a lot of ponytails and braids. A lot of risky decisions. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if anybody has made the decision to cut it yet. Uh, Like, Mm. this is just sort of a a time where I think privately everybody is having to reckon with their own image and what they want for themselves because they have an opportunity uh, that they would not have otherwise. Um, Mm. I I think that is uh, one of these magical things that, that we simply must be aware of. But, like, the mood on the deck is a strange one. Uh, People deal with crossing waters in a couple different ways. I think there are different superstitions uh, that I would like to investigate of when you pass over water because the waters, especially of the oceans of Sphere, are cursed. Um, The closer you get to them, the more contact you have with them, the greater the risk that you will hear the call of the mariner, that you will be branded with a mariner's mark. Uh, People deal with this in different ways. And I think a good enough portion of the crew is nervously volunteering for posts where they might be top deck or crow's nest or anywhere where they might be the first to see land because land will mean that this period of holding breath, this period of uh, anticipation is over, that they can relax again. 
Um, so we see uh, many like uh, hard faced, long haired pirates uh, trying to make themselves busy with different work. This is. I think Oromar in in a captain's mind, uh, there is work that you kind of know that always needs to get done and like you generally speaking have to specifically order so much of it or make sure that you know your council is ordering so much of it uh mm-hmm. knots need to be checked uh the deck needs to be swabbed boards need to be replaced all of that busy work is getting done right now because people have the nervous energy that they need to do it. I want to know where Gable is and what they are doing. Yeah, so the camera swoops up and out to the very top of the balloon. Gable is walking along the top of the balloon with specifically four or five teenagers. Mm. In the past year, because everyone has aged so much, unfortunately, some of our orphans that would have gotten off at a port and would have gone through like their little ceremony of like, do you want to stay with the crew have not gotten that opportunity. And that's kind of a year's worth of education that we never were able to give them. So there's been a effort between various members of the crew to really like, let's do a real crash course and everything you need to know before we land, before you decide whether or not you want to stay with the crew. And part of that is balloon maintenance and balloon mm. patching uh finding those micro holes and finding all of those <laughs> just looking at any, anything that could be wrong and doing that maintenance and what that involves so that's with gable gable is way too heavy to be on top of the balloon they're really like <laughs> bubbling it in a lot and bouncing <laughs> and just not keeping their balance That's this is not typically the great. education they would provide but it's a sort of an all hands on deck situation <laughs> gable is a seven foot tall somewhat beefy somewhat angelic being angelic like because they are an angel their hair is silvery gold gray and but going increasingly black and gold at the temples and as their hair has grown they they have it in a no fuss braid top knot situation they're wearing uh not because they're because they have to have their legs free a lot of uh, a, a girded pant and they're uh, going to be uh, a little bit more masculine presenting at this moment. Uh, their pronouns are they, them. And they're surrounded by five various levels of child on top of this balloon. <laughs> I think one of these children is Minnie Singleton, um, uh, someone that, that we had addressed in uh, the, the Nordia arc who mm-hmm. – uh, went to take revenge against uh, members of the church when when she saw the opportunity and Gable uh, managed to pull back from near disaster by pure coincidence. Um, uh, she's now a girl uh, somewhere around probably Jonnet's age, uh, you know, like 15, 16 um, I think actually I think we described her as 12. So maybe she's like closer to 13, 14. Yeah. Um, at this point, um, she has eyes that that are much harder uh, than some of the other uh, children around her. I don't think 
any of the orphans who find their way aboard the Uhuru have necessarily had an easier life. Um, however, very few of them have found it within themselves to commit to an act of murder and take steps to carry it out. Um, Minnie watches Gable like very seriously uh, taking in this information. Whether Gable is comfortable with this connection or not, there is a connection between you and Minnie. Um, but I am so curious, Nathan and Tyler, mm -hmm. what are some other kids that we see up here with Gable? Um, Tall, thin, and gangly, kind of. The the outgrowing of hair has definitely. <laughs> um, it, it's like the the styling of this kid's hair is also kind of mimicking their their body, very wispy. If it if it wasn't for the large number of hair clips, kind of keeping it in place, <laughs> would probably entangle himself, and is uh, almost like a limpet clinging to whatever kind of like surface we're on on this part of the balloon. Uh, definitely does not want to let go, and is kind of uh, being b battered around in the breeze a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that is actually in, I'm, I'm going to double check the art that we had done by Ben Zweifel, because I think mm -hmm. there is a catwalk that encircles uh, mm -hmm. the envelope of the balloon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but definitely being on the balloon itself feels way less stable. Oh, yeah. Way, way less stable uh, than, than maybe you would want. Yeah, he's like anchored um, himself to that walkway. He's got some rope and has tied himself to it. <laughs> Everyone's making fun of him. You're, what are you doing? You're not gonna fall off. And I shake the the railway. She goes, oh, oh. yeah, someone double bouncing him. You're not gonna fall off. Yeah, I'm definitely not gonna fall off now that I'm tied to, to to the walkway. Please stop bouncing the walkway. As funny as it is, and it is very very funny. It's so I agree. funny though. Funny. It's very funny. I but Gable, please stop come the on, walkway. one more bounce, it's, please. Please stop bouncing the walkway. I'm gonna have and a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, there, there is, there is a walkway that encircles the 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 sides of of the envelope, but there is like this big domed top um, mm -hmm. uh, portion too, where where everybody is right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, we have uh, th that person up there, Tyler. Do you do you have any orphan that you want to kind of throw into the mix? Um, I, I is it all right if I generate, but just come up with a person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, that's what we're doing. Yeah. So let's go with uh, this kid's name is is Ned. Um, he's mm. he's like, I'd say he's probably like, you know, thirteen, fourteen in the lost year, like. Ned came to with a like he's got a little bit of weight that he'll be growing into his um he's got like <laughs> the way he's got longer hair I would say uh maybe curly wavy hair um it very much mm. catches the wind in in like ways that like kind of has him not as like worried about the uh uh being strapped to the the walkway as Nathan's kid, but like it does kind of catch him off guard, like every now and again with like a good <laughs> gust. Um, and uh, I think like he's like working on. <laughs> he's got like if if in terms of like other hair growth, like we found out that Ned 
when he does when he gets back into the cap uh below deck and like takes off like all the winter wear he will have hairier arms than he has ever Ooh. had and that's how Whoa. that's how the year has hit ned um and he's a little he's like he's he knows it and he's insecure about the hair on his uh on his arms and so like even when uh when he's out and about and has uh like a jacket on he's still tucking his arms and like he's very like <laughs> very tight very clenched uh up here as he's getting his lessons <laughs> yeah all right so what we do we, the reason we brought up the bucket of water we lightly pour you choose a panel you want to work on then very lightly pour water over that panel and watch closely if there is a micro fissure in the balloon, you will see very small bubbles that will be somewhat bursting through, but it's very hard to see, so you'll have to be quiet and somewhat put your ear and listen for I can't a hear anything. Bubble. I can't hear anything. It's the this so windy up here. Alright, well the talking will make it harder to listen. What? So I'm not supposed to talk and I can't I'm, I gave that is you don't need to talk. You could talk. We could talk. <laughs> we could talk if we wanted to. If that's something I, that you wanted I'd from your education. I'd rather throw the, the, the bucket. Can I, can I pick this panel here since it's closest to me? Yes. And we can, yeah. So just a light spray, a light spray. You don't need a lot of water because then it'll be hard to see the bubbling. And if you see bubbling, here's a little sticker that we use to identify. You place it on top and next to the place where it needs the patch so we can come to it later. Is there? Mm. There's a there is a tiny bubbling and uh, kind of uh, Victor, the kid whose name I've decided the name is Victor, like reaches out to point at it and is leaning further than he would expect. It's barely any at all, and immediately he like heavily countercorrects and leans backwards and oh. is now kind of flailing a little bit. <laughs> it's over there. It's over there. <laughs> we grab grab him by the shirt collar. <laughs> all right, thank you so much for identifying that. Um, and just so everyone knows, it's okay to not have certain jobs. Sometimes jobs aren't for us. And that's that's the important thing to know about whether uh, if you don't like a job, you don't need to do it. So I signed just, up to take stock of infantry. This is ridiculous. Just check in with yourself. All right. So are there any questions, concerns? There is a girl who's been like standing apart from the rest of the group. I think uh, she is probably closer to the, the 15, 16 age range. Mm -hmm. um, and the hair growth has suited her quite well. She mm -hmm. she has like long dark hair that, that that's like very thick um and especially up here in the wind it blows dramatically. So she has uh taken this opportunity uh emerging from this forest to cultivate more of like a mysterious personality for herself. <laughs> um so she's been standing apart from the group a lot uh looking into the distance uh and pretty much every question that she has asked through this entire explanation. She has done so uh, after dramatically turning to talk over her shoulder towards the group. <laughs> and she goes, uh, her, her name is Min, by the way. Uh, she she, go, she turns uh, her face over her shoulder and goes, but I thought feather weave was incredibly difficult to damage. How do these micro holes form? 
Man, I swear, I don't know. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm the not stitching. A, it's between the stitching, or it could just be magic, or I don't know. Maybe I came up here with a little nail and I particularly drove little holes into the feather weave. I don't. All I know is that the hole. There are the holes, and we gotta <laughs> fix the holes. It is not mine to know whence these issues come about, but to fix them. And like, I, I love Gable giving this explanation, this this exasperated explanation, because they are so much larger than all of these kids. And I think every gesture of gesticulation as Gable is like trying to make this point is sending uh, the balloon like bouncing or wobbling a little bit. I don't know why things happen. I don't know why people leave. I don't know why terrible things happen to good people. I don't know why my best friend got married and then had to lose a year out of their marriage and now he's real upset and I don't know how to handle him. You're shaking the the walkway so much I dropped my bucket. But so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just living. I thought Travis was your best friend. Who? (laughs) Men. Oh, no, you've done it now. (laughs) So anyway, I'm just trying to give you exactly what you need right now. And that is the education about Featherweave that we can fix it and then move on. Because as I said before, I don't know why anything happens. All I know is what I can control. And what I can control is all of you learning the things that you need to survive for the moment. So, Min, if you have any more existential questions, I suggest you let those marinate and think about whether it's really helpful, okay? <laughs> how, how often does Gable get mad? Not often. There's uh-huh. not a whole lot of things It kind there. of feels, especially now with your longer and kind of goldeny hair, that you have a bit of um, a Ghibli animation moment where it starts to kind of fluff yeah. up and stand on end a bit <laughs> when you get ticked mm-hmm. off. <laughs> so your silhouette just gets even larger as you're like, please stop asking me. <laughs> Ned, t- Ned like leans over real quick to Min. Uh, hey, hey, Min, uh, maybe you stop stirring the pot. Can we stop stirring the pot, please? I think Min like just there's it's not much of a huff, but uh, she will like s- descend in a way that is so graceful um, uh, and and flows so beautifully with her newly acquired, extremely long, beautiful (laughs) hair and uh, sits down in a way that like is provocatively uh, expectant of Gable now is just like, I'm listening um, in a way that only a teenager uh, who's trying to cultivate a very annoying personality uh, could possibly do. (laughs) (sighs) With that exasperated gasp, uh, I think we move on to yet another part of the ship uh, to find Jonnet Kessler. This is like a question for the group larger. Um, What would y'all say is like the most defining character, like characteristic of the Uhuru ship. Like, I feel like there's probably patterns on the the balloon. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't remember what our, do we have a flag? There's like a a, a broken statue that's a part of the prow of the. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the so the Uhuru does have a flag. There is a Jolly Roger. Yep. It is a skull uh, that is struck through with a sword, oh. and above the sword and skull the is a crown. Yes, the pin. Um, uh, it's a red flag. Okay. Um, there are uh, uh, other things that uh, are unique to the Uhuru. The Uhuru has the front of the ship beneath this figurehead. Yep. Uh, there is this long, brassy, jagged spike. Uh, the Uhuru can theoretically use to tear the feather the feather weave of another ship with a, a ramming right. maneuver. Um, it's a very difficult thing to build. Um, uh, so it would probably be really noticeable as uh, a, a feature of the ship. I think like Jonnet has probably been ruminating on this to himself for a little bit as we've been close getting supposedly beginning closer and closer to land of like if we're going to try to be incognito we've got to change up the look of the Uhuru and so I think he's taken it upon himself to just like he's been pacing the 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 deck of the ship just kind of like peering over looking at the ship being like all right that looks like a normal ship and um, so just to jump back a little bit this is Jonnet Kessler he is a uh, uh, a 15 year old kid black kid um, about he's 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 growing he's growing into some tall uh, some tall oh man he's growing he's still growing in the sense that um, I think he has like a set of boots on right now that no longer fit him but he does not have a new oh. set of boots and so he's kind of like crimping up his his toes within his boots but um he's uh let's say like in the in the five five seven ish area um ooh okay um and then i think he normally would have like a uh very cool like sort of fro uh, hawk that is tied uh oftentimes tied back on the sides with a bandana i think this new found um uh, hair growth kind of has him in a little bit of an unexpected awkward phase where like the hair on the side of his head has like grown out but so has the hair on the top of his head so he's very top heavy and I think he's trying to mitigate that by just like doing some hair ties so he does have a bit of like a top like it's tied back and has a top Poof, um, that he's kind of walking around in. And I think um, he's also starting to grow his first mustache. And that is something that he is very excited about. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Because, yeah, he woke up overnight with his with a, with mustache. A mustache. And he's so very proud of it. But here's the thing. It looks pretty bad. It looks pretty uh, bad. <laughs> but you got to get through it. Yeah. Mhm. Mm the um, only way out is through it. So, he is I think he's currently like So, uh for Ormar, um I feel like some point before this happened, John it probably came to to you and asked about the statue up at the front of the ship and if there was anything. It was like, "Oh, should we be too should we be worried about uh People recognizing the front of the ship. Should we fix it? Should we take it all off? Is that something that like, are we allowed to deface the ship at all? An interesting question.
just so everybody is aware, uh, that figurehead is a damaged figurehead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is just what looks like the bottom half of a mermaid. Uh-huh. Um, and a mermaid would be a pretty, like, spooky bit of imagery to put on a ship. Uh, that That's an important thing to note because mm-hmm. the sea is considered dangerous. So a being that was, like, part human, part thing of the water and sea, like, that is part of the Uhuru declaring itself to the world as a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, but jumping back in, too. Well, uh, Jonet Kessler, uh, despite the fact that you do not own uh, the Uhuru, you're not considered renting, so you don't necessarily <laughs> need to go through uh, an arduous discussion to redecorate with your landlord. <laughs> Gosh. No, no, please, please don't consider the idea of me being a landlord. I'm discarding that idea <laughs> um, So your idea of uh, changing the figurehead. Did you have a, a different form in mind? Did you want to complete it? Well, I mean, I, I'm not a sculptor, and I don't think I should do that uh, to the front of the ship. But I'm, I'm just wor- worried that if if we pull up to port, someone's going to see it, and that's a calling card. So I'm thinking maybe we just like cover it up with. I mean, you're an ideas man if you're not necessarily the person who's going to be carving it together, although some would say that uh, ideas men are a, a struggle unto themselves. I don't know why Oromar's being capricious today. I guess that's just <laughs> the new energy. Um, but if you do uh, happen to put some pencil to paper for a rough concept, I'm sure Bathroom Barry can put his skills to good use and carve something new. Out of fucking balsa wood. John <laughs> it? Yeah, this is, I I kind of feel like a beautiful opportunity where you've, you're in charge of a subcommittee, like (laughs) the disguising the ship subcommittee. Mm -hmm. Um, So Bathroom Barry, I think has like, yeah, out of balsa wood, he can carve like a bunch of different model concepts that makes so much sense to me. You're going to have to explain the conceit of Bathroom Barry for those who do not know. We, I mean, we will introduce the character in this scene, I am certain. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we know Bathroom Barry, uh, current quartermaster of the ship, mm-hmm. is on this subcommittee. Who else did Jonnet approach to form this subcommittee? <laughs> I feel like Pliff is definitely in there. <laughs> sure. Um, because I, I think that Pliff is, Jonnet very early on was like, Pliff is nervous all the time. And always like got to look out for like things that could go wrong. So I want his eye because I I'm going to overlook something. Yeah. Um. And he's absolutely. a safety net. And Jonet immediately starts to regret it because he Pliff has been micro micro analyzing every single thing. It's like ships have lanterns, Pliff. We don't need to cover up every single lantern. <laughs> but that people can see light. When you see light, you know that something's there, and that would be. That's not what we want, I don't believe. But, okay, but here's the thing. Every ship out there has a lantern, all right? So there's nothing about a lantern that would differentiate the Uhuru from other ships. So I think we don't have to worry about that. There's bigger fish to fry. What if we weren't a ship? What if we pretended to be something else, like a big whale or uh, (laughs) a sky whale? Clouds. A sky whale. Yeah, a sky whale. A whale in the sky. No one's looking for a sky whale. Because sky, I feel like if someone saw a sky whale, Pliff, that would be noteworthy. People would start talking about the whale they saw in the sky. 
they wouldn't see the sky whale specifically. They would see the absence of lanterns, and then they would maybe conjecture <laughs> the sky whale from that. I'm I'm not imposing my creative vision on the rest of the humanity. I'm just saying what I think would happen. Okay. Who else yeah. is on this committee? <laughs> um, uh, I feel like, uh, oh, geez. What's, give me that death chart. Where's that death chart? <laughs> Granny's soft spot is definitely on this. <laughs> <laughs> Granny's soft spot. <laughs> um, I, uh, has it been updated with some of Because we've had a couple of Dear Hurus where we've actually welcomed people onto the crew, but right yeah. now I do not remember their names. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it has been updated with those people, and I really do need to do that mm-hmm. at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've got Granny Softspot, um, mm-hmm. which is, uh, uh, which is a, a given name on the ship. Her real name is Lorinda. Um, but everybody just calls her Granny Softspot. Uh, we don't see her often because um, she's uh, she's usually like doing like patchwork and like kind of like been crocheting and like making like uh, clothes and and for the growing children and orphans. Um, but she very much like she knows the the ship very very well. So now she's on she's on the uh, the committee. The name of the committee is. The O, the O, who, Rue? Because when we're done, you won't yes. even recognize Lo- it. <laughs> Love this. Uh, Nathan, uh, do you have a, a, an old lady voice? Uh, that you wanna... I'll do my level best. <laughs> yes. Granny Softspot. Um, so uh, I was considering, um, I know that cutting the feather weave is kind of beyond our abilities, but what would you say to, to a recolor, potentially, maybe re-dyeing to uh, a different a different hue? I am quite partial to turquoise myself. Yes! Yes! Granny, love this! Uh, we re-dye the, the balloon of the ship. Looks like a new ship. That takes us, that gets us so far. I yes, don't know yeah. how to dye things. The balloon seems big. Hard to get uh, a, f- a good coverage. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> His- historically, What's the point of dying something? It's just going to fade anyway. Oh. Uh, well, I guess a lot of old Wendell. previous dyes uh, are herb-based, but that... And we... she's kind of immediately on the back foot of her <laughs> idea of being shot down by somebody out of shot. <laughs> Well, we see the huge and sullen form of Wendell Barge uh, looking so much wilder uh, (laughs) than he normally does, both because of his current state of emotional distress and his current state of hair suit uh, exaggerated uh, 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 features. Uh, His beard is so much longer. Mm. Um, (laughs) It was braided beforehand, like like braided and decorated pretty well because he was preparing for his wedding. And you can see those braids are very much intact. Like all that braid work is intact. However, there's just a long section of beard between them that he hasn't bothered to update uh, simply because the self-care that it would take for that, he is far too emotionally distracted. Um, there's just all of this decoration in his hair that has just grown out mm-hmm. um, as these roots. Can I uh, can I add to that? Can I in this new growth? Um, some at some point in time, um, the Oromar's. Uh, oh wait, no. 
Is it a griffin mm. humming, hummingbird? Is it huge? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's a it's griffin like hummingbird. I was, at a certain point, a separate bird has made a small nest in Wendell's like extra beard. And mm-hmm. so I think he's so distraught that he hasn't like taken time to clear out the nest. But every now and again, while Wendell is sort of lamenting around, a tiny little <laughs> bird face will pop out and like the bird is having a great time. Has a small nest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, colors may fade. Uh, sea Wendell, turquoise but... is the color of perhaps a sky whale. <laughs> no, yes, uh, colors may fade, but uh, a swag is forever. I, I find <laughs> so as long as we the heat first from the furnaces and the sun above the balloon fades dye work within a couple months. We'd go through a lot of effort to acquire whatever dye. We'd change the color of the sails, and then it would it would just go right back to what it was before. Okay, a finger so- twirling through long gray hair. <laughs> Haven't you heard of distressed fabric? But I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're helping. But I, I must say, uh, your sartorial expectations are uh, uh, maybe not not quite up to snuff for the committee. Uh, Jonnet, I was under the impression we were in a blue sky sort of period right now. No wrong answers. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's no, there is no wrong answers in brainstorming. Yeah. Although, Wendell, yeah. I will say that uh, this is the, let's see, sixth idea that you've pitched that is, what's the use? And uh, I feel like if you're going to be on here, we got to, we got to, we got to green light something. We got to green light something. And... I think that all we have to do is lay low for a couple of months. All right, we get to this we get to this masquerade ball. We make our reintroduction. It doesn't matter what the uh if it fades again. All right? So we just have to lay low for the time being. And that could be the repainting of the balloon could be exactly what we need. Kessler, I thought you asked me on this committee because of my experience. If we decide that we're going to dye the envelope, that means we're going to have to dismantle the rigging. And that's at least a week's worth of work. So if you're telling me you're going to add another week to our travel time for a decoration plan that will at most last a couple months, I guess we're going to have to answer to the crew who has to be somewhere. Oh, wait, that's me. Okay. All right. All right. Sometimes there are wrong answers in brains. <laughs> there, there. Apparently, there is one wrong answer. Well, okay. So this is gonna be. Uh, well, we'll go ahead and, and uh, take a quick lunch, everybody. Uh, everybody, get uh, go uh, smoke them if you got them, and we'll we'll come back. I will say that this is the seventh time that we've met this uh, in the last fortnight, and we have yet to really land on. A thing of action, and <laughs> land is soon. We will be getting to land eventually, <laughs> so we gotta, we gotta do what is what's the what's the saying? We have to do something, something, something. something. just do anything, anything. anything. Uh, I, I would like to know, Tyler, because uh, while this has been happening, I imagine there is bathroom Barry uh, just kind of whittling away uh, wherever they're having this meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those that don't know, Bathroom Barry is a man. How old do we think he is? Like, 
Um, I picture him on the older side, like maybe in his his fifties or sixties. He's old that, enough to know better, me, young enough not to care. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, he's like in his fifties, something like that. Yeah, okay. I can't, I can't remember if we gave him facial hair. If, I don't remember his face, his hair setup. I want him in this moment now to have been very bald before. And mm. then after the year, he's still very bald. He just like, there was like no hint of, and he's he's perfectly okay with that. He's perfectly mm-hmm. smooth with that. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's got kind of like, he has had like a, a bushier mustache grow in and he's kind of got like a little bit of like a, a soul patch underneath. Um, mm. Mm. And I think that as Jonnet has, um, uh, he's he's a black man as well. Um, mm-hmm. As Jonnet has sort of like adjourn, started to adjourn the meeting, and like we have to do something. Okay, Jonnet mm-hmm. turns around and sees that, like while he's been talking, um, Bathroom Barry has taken something that someone pitched uh, in the last meeting, which is like, do we cover up the the front uh, statue? And Bathroom Barry has drafted, um, like four different options for what this new face for the statue could be and so so like he he pulls up like the logical like reconstruction of the the front it's the it's the full mermaid um he's drafted one where it's full fish so bottom half top half full fish just fish fish. Mm -hmm. i think he's got one that is it's an add-on where you add on to the fish bottom and so it would make it look like it's just like a person just chilling on the front um <laughs> and then and then he has one where so bathroom berry this one is specifically for Jonnet because in the earlier days when Jonnet wanted some alone time he would chill up at the top and so this uh New draft is if we shave down um, the mermaid tail that is there and hollow it out, it sort of would function as its own, an actual seat that you can just like sit and chill and contemplate Ooh. in. And so that one, that one's, that one's for Jonnet. Uh, but he didn't like Jonnet turns around and Barry has all of these and like Jonnet in one of the many times he's done this looks to Barry as like, Thank you. Thank you for being you, for being productive. I think we we look at we look at our options and I think um Jonnet goes with like he picks the <laughs> the full fish, fish bottom, fish top. Um and it's like, do you really think that you can you can make this to scale? And and like <laughs> Barry gives a single chuckle to Jonnet. And it's like, with balsa wood, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, oh. he, and so, if for those who don't know, Barry, uh, bathroom Barry is a thespian and the the kindest man that you'll meet in a bathroom. And uh, he he's a playwright, and also apparently he does set deck. Um, so. <laughs> He's, he's, yeah. he's a playwright. He does set deck. He also uh, is the quartermaster right. for the yes. ship currently. So he he manages all personnel and uh, uh, like physical inventory needs aboard the Uhuru. Uh, and also 
importantly, I think superseding all of that, the reason that he is the best paid member of the crew is he is the bathroom attendant yes. aboard uh, <laughs> the Uhuru as well. Um, and so uh, right, right before John, it kind of like steps off to get some lunch or something. He does, uh, he gets a hand on his shoulder, turns around and it's Barry again. He's like, but just so you know, I can create anything out of balsa wood. Absolutely anything. It's my calling. But it is a fragile medium. And so I will <laughs> warn you that whatever we do put up will be temporary. And it isn't to be, uh, it will not sustain uh, the, the harshness that the Uhuru tends to uh, subject it and its crew to. So whatever, we, whatever I do make, whatever fantastic arrangement I do design, and he, he kind of looks up and he's like in his own... He's, he's kind of like remembering <laughs> his past works and like, yeah, I am good. But whatever I do make, John at Kessler, you will need to uh, make sure that no harm comes to it because it will be fragile. It'll be for looks only. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for giving me another opportunity to shine. He yes. came back from that Lightfellow Ranch holiday just absolutely yeah. glowing yes. and then was spirited <laughs> away to Elder Taurus. <laughs> the only person who has had a good time in the past year. <laughs> he's the only one that's like, actually, I'm still thriving. I'm doing a great job. A year later. Who Call it a wilderness sabbatical. <laughs> so, uh, Jonnet, you are, I think most people have cleared out um, except for Wendell. I think Wendell is still there kind of sitting in his emotions. Um, I think John, it kind of like looks over at Wendell, uh, motions to Barry. Hey, can I, do you need these references, uh, for anything? He's like, no, John, what I have is up here. I'm good. <laughs> and so, uh, John, it kind of like takes the, the four little mock-ups and brings them to, to Wendell. Um, Hey, hey, Wendell. I know uh, we're in, we're kind of in a break right now, but I I, I want to let you know that if if you've got any feedback, uh, Barry's is, is going to mock up uh, a new front uh, front statue for the ship. Uh, just want to get your approval on, uh, you know, just wanted to include you. How you doing, bud? <sighs> yeah, yeah. Everything was gonna be perfect, like two weeks ago. In two weeks, a year passed. Yeah, I, I can't imagine uh, what that's got to be like for you. I don't. Well, I mean, I do have loved ones that I want to make sure are are safe and know that I'm safe. But you stepped into a new era of your life. So, so I'm told. Uh, I hear marriage is kind of a big deal. Um, I mean, you know. Second, second marriage. Uh, but we were all pretty excited about it. Yeah. I've never had a husband before. That was going to be new. You still might have a husband. If, 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 you know, it's not going to be on them to, to, to wait for you. But if, I'm sure it'll be great to, to, to find them and, and to reunite, and even if it's gonna be different, like if what you had is real, you know, you can still find a place in their life again. I, I, 
I'm I'm sorry that I've been snapping at you and 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 Granny and 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 Pliff and I know you invited me on the committee to give me something to do. I'm not an idiot. No, your design choices are superb. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, I I dragged my heels on this too long. I I could have left the ship at any time, but I was nervous. What? I you you had a home. You have a home. I, it's it's hard to leave. It's hard to leave home, and and you 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 do it on your own time. I I uh, you didn't do anything wrong. Uh, you didn't do anything wrong. I I just I've been dealing with this so long. And uh, he's in it holding up his arm, the arm that was burned and damaged when the Uhuru attacked the civility. Um, And I think in his hand, he's holding something that was related to uh, this, this disguise project. I think it was like a lantern concept uh, that Pliff came up with. Pliff for, like, has maybe been hyper-focused on one specific design (laughs) aspect of the Uhuru, but I'm gonna say... The lantern is the shape of an eye. The eye of a sky whale (laughs) that blinks and opens and closes as if... Yeah. (laughs) It's this kind of beautiful, like, brass construction uh, that has this, like, shutter that can open and close. Like, hyper-focused on it, but has been doing good concept work surrounding it. Uh, and Wendell, like, in his frustration and anger, is, like, subconsciously uh, uh, squeezing his fingers closed, but his arm is dead, has been resurrected through the power of necromancy, despite being covered in terrible, terrible burns. Uh, it brings him no pain, and the strength within it is an unnatural strength. The brass construction of the lantern starts to buckle and whine under the grip of Wendell as he slowly squeezes it until some of the glass within the mechanism actually shatters, um, kind of snapping him out of what he was thinking. I have been afraid that my journey on this ship has transformed me too much to ever do anything else. And I kind of realized that that was ridiculous back in Dominion. And I'd kind of been psyching myself up to, to, to go actually live a life off of the ship. And then we landed in Acheron and I got to meet your family and and see the community that 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 you grew up around, Janet. Darn it if I wasn't looking forward to all the things that I was afraid of. I... And then we ended up in the goddamn woods. Damn. <sighs> now I don't know what I'm looking forward to. I don't know what I'm headed back to. I was so ready to 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 you know, I had all this money that had come in. 
I was just going to start living the life that I always should have been living and treating all the people who cared about me the way they should have been treated. <sighs> and now I'm just dragging everything down here. Wendell, I... Yeah. Until we get back to land and see that... and confirm that things are, are changed beyond repair, there's nothing that says you can't have hope. It, it, it's... You you have you have the people that you want to check in on. You got the community that you want to build. Hold on to that, and if and step back into their life with that fistful of cash that I, is still down. We still you still got money, Wendell. All right, you can still come back and and set up camp, set up shop, and leave it all behind. It leave being a corsair behind if you want. Just don't write it off yeah. right now. <sighs> okay. Uh, Nodos and I have a furnace shift in a couple minutes. Thanks, uh, thanks for listening, Kessler. Uh, you're a real good kid. Hey, uh, also, if you don't want to do the furnace shift, uh, after my lunch, I'm supposed to be off for, uh, shifting a quarter, so I can take that if you want. That's, that's too much. Uh, I also. Oh, I, you can pay me back are... later. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's funny, kid. Uh, I, uh, you, you, you might not have this perspective. People are going to want to know, uh, where the ship, where you think the ship is at. Uh, I think, I think you're probably, you're heading into more trouble than I am, kiddo. Yeah. I yeah fair. I here's the thing, until uh uh, I think based off of wait uh out of game. How far are we from? Is there can I roll something to be like? Does Jonet have a good idea of where we actually you are? You can. <laughs> so this would be uh, a a star watching uh, check, which is going to key off of your if I pull up. Uh, the character sheet, uh, your intellect, um, uh, or or magic. You know, uh, star watching is like kind of this is a scientific and mathematical activity. It does have a heavy connection to magic, um, and I know probably Oromar's instruction for you, Oromar's tutelage on this is heavily intellect based like mm -hmm. Oromar is probably trying to teach you how to think through this mathematically and gathering different types of data to produce different types of results um how much do you think Jonet uh cheats because his eye probably can guide him through a lot of the the, the more difficult uh parts of this task to reach different conclusions faster i think i think that was something that John, it was in his head about early on. At this point, it's like he he very casually is like um, he he goes to Wendell. Is like at this point, I think we're probably and um, so John it had a his bandana on during this whole conversation, and as he sort of teased that up in in his words, like you see like a small eye shaped light underneath the bandana sort of flare up for truly just like a second and then closes again. It's like, 
hey man, we're gonna be we're gonna be on this on this route for a while. So um, if people keep coming to me, I keep saying that direction, and I'm not wrong. Uh, but also, we got time. All right, all right. I'll I'll try to pass the word around. Get people off your back. Would you? Thank you. Wendell stands up, um, and I think a bunch of crumbs, like like just descend off of his clothing. Uh, <laughs> you've picked up a lot of different supplies at the Saratura, and there is more than enough food right now. Uh, so Wendell has definitely been eating his feelings a little bit. And I know the bird pokes its way out of the beard to grab one of those crumbs and just disappear it back inside the nest. Oh uh, and so Jonnet um, uh, reaches down, grabs a small handful of crumbs, uh, stands back up, sort of nods at Wendell, gives him a Wendell, and then holds out his handful of, of crumbs, uh, waits till the bird comes out, beaks. And then uh, gives everybody a little <laughs> salute and then and, and goes off. Beaks. The book rests on the floor of Captain Oromar Vale's office. The brass used in its bindings is tarnished, showing decades of use and wear. But the leather that makes up its cover is smooth and soft, covered in illuminated imagery from the Church of the Slain God, well tended and cared for what must be its impressive age. There is a shuddering that runs over the pages and cover as though a stiff gust of wind has passed through the office. But we can see from the other oddments collected on Oromar's shelves that there is no breeze flowing through here at all. Then, with a sudden start, the cover jumps open to a page with indistinct markings, ink that has both faded and bled, collecting into an indiscernible black mark in the middle of the page that looks almost as though it has been lit on fire. Slowly and laboriously, the page scrapes across itself in an agonizing turn. To watch it, if one could get past the horror of something moving on its own, one might be struck by what seems like the monumental effort the page seemingly goes through to move itself. Eventually, it reaches a tipping point, and gravity takes hold. The page smoothly falls onto the interior binding. This exposes roughly written diary entries, the first one dating roughly 25 years after the fall of the stars. Auntie said this book was for me to write my thinking, and I think I hate it. The other children won't even talk to me because they say I stink. Father said I'm going to get my first knife soon. He wants me to work with meat like him. I don't want to smell like blood. 
There is an almost frustrated ruffling of pages, and several dozen entries pass quickly before our eyes, before the pages settle once more. I cut my hand today. Father was with a customer and left me with a shank. My knife didn't slip the way I told father it did, though. I did it on purpose. I knew my blood would look the same. I didn't know that the bone and the muscle and the sinew would look the same, too. And now I do. I wonder, are other people the same? I must know. Pages pass again until we find an entry roughly seven months later. Father sold the wrong cut to Mr. Yontanov. Mr. Yontanov said he was going to grill the meat, and Father sold him something that needs to be braised. He shushed me when I tried to speak up. I'm going to leave someday. I'm going to take my knife, and I'm going to leave the cold and rain and snow and Mr. Yantanov and Father and everyone else. Pages pass until we reach an entry 14 months later. No one noticed. I was right. Humans have all the same parts as animals. Meat, blood, bone, and sinew, all the same in the light. All the things that make other folk wince, packed away, right under their own skin. He came apart just like a cow or a pig would. It tasted almost like pig, too. But in tasting, I could tell there was something more. Not in the way that poultry is different from pork or pork is different from beef. Not even the way that bear reeks of game. It was bright. I needed to find out what it was. I had to see if others could find the same quality. I thought, someone must notice. They missed even the simple things. Do people really not understand meat? The ribs were longer. The roasts weren't as full. How many times has Mrs. Grisham complained about my clumsy knife work in her cutlets? But she could not see or taste what was so obvious to me. No one said anything. In fact, a few even came by the next day to ask where I'd gotten the pig. And wasn't it so good? I will find it. I must know. The Right Cuts was written by Tracy Barnett and edited and recorded by James D'Amato. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku app. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. 
Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny in Briefs or on his podcast, Bill Buds. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT or streaming at twitch.tv slash The Neoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrott or on his website, ATP Tunes. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. <laughs> <laughs>